I was talking about her something about something, and we had a conversation something something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just completely lost my train of thought there. Where were we going with that? Good to have you back, buddy. where iron sharpens iron and we poke each other with the pointy ends i'm your host wes joined once again by the best co-host this side of the mississippi alex welcome back buddy how are you that's so sweet man i can't even do my typical <laughs> hey fam intro first because right. i've got a tear in the eye what's up happy people and casey's here so he can uh, address the sad people himself Say what's up to the people, KC. Hey, what's up, all sad people out there? I'm with you. We love you. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yes, KC is joining us again. Uh, the Three Amigos are back. The Three Amigos Part 2. Good to have the band back together, gentlemen. Yeah. Um, it's It's been a little bit since Alex has been with us, and I don't think he's missed a whole lot. You know, he's just been doing house hunting and stuff like that. But really, in society, nothing major's happened. <laughs> it's just, you know, COVID. That's about it. Yeah, nothing at all. <laughs> You've been keeping nothing track major. on everything, Alex? For reals, no. I've been keeping up with the two major uh, events here lately, but not uh, air thing. Like... Joe Jorgensen is the, uh, I was going to say presumed, but she is actually the official nominee for the Libertarian Party for Kent, a POTUS. And there, I, all I know about her in general is that she's already getting bashed by Libertarians because she's not the quote-unquote perfect candidate because that's common in the Libertarian Party. Uh, yep. But... Beyond that, I know nothing about her and haven't even had a moment to research her because I've been that busy. Uh, I was on furlough last week and was planning on spending nine days cleaning up and trying to move out of my house. But three and a half of those days I spent traveling with KC. Oh, yeah. A couple of days uh, at the yeah. beach having a good time. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I got to uh, break social distancing orders. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, careful. This is going to be out there for the public record. Yeah. Handcuff me. Arrest me. <laughs> Talk, speaking of which, that's one of those two public uh, situations that's going on that have kind of merged at this point, right? You've got the riots yeah. and protests, which are two separate things, but, you know, they're kind of merging. But what I'm talking about merging is the whole COVID-19 social distancing orders and this whole riot slash protest thing is merging in as much as You've got official government uh, health agencies saying, we're not telling you you shouldn't still social distance. You must still do that. But it's not necessary for protests. What? 
So, so hundreds of people protesting isn't going to spread the virus, but 10 people getting together at church and getting too close is going to spread the virus. No, 11. As 11. long as you limit it to 10, yeah, you're fine. 11. Flattened. 11. <laughs> Dude, this is such a joke. I mean, if, if this whole situation in the last two weeks has not proven unequivocally and without doubt that this whole social distancing crap is just social engineering. <laughs> I don't know what will show that to people. Like the, the people have such ridiculous cognitive dissonance. If they can't see that for what it is, there is no hope for them seeing actual reality. What do you mean? COVID can't, can't travel farther than five feet, 11 inches. <laughs> and, and it can't travel from one person's hand wearing gloves putting their phone up to their ear and then touching a touchpad for a self-checkout to the person behind them touching that same self-checkout. Yawn. You saw me at the grocery store, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't even wear a mask because wearing a mask while carrying a concealed firearm is actually a Class C felony. <laughs> So Good to know. I, I would rather not bre- break felony law than not break uh, executive ordinances by some wannabe dictatorial mayor or governor. So, yeah, I hadn't been wearing a mask. I, I think there's an exception, though. If you're walking into a saloon, you can have the mask <laughs> and the concealed weapon. Oh, yeah. Fun times. <laughs> Casey, what you what you been up to these last few weeks? Oh man, it's been mainly just a bunch of nostril maintenance, really. Sitting around nostril maintenance with the fam, hanging out, practicing bass a little bit here and there, you know, scrolling through the memes on the Facebook and Pinterest. Yeah, lots of lots of useful stuff, you know. How's that new bass treating you? Oh, that that new, new bass is fantastic, man. Yeah, you know, we we started doing uh, the the two services, you know, kind of the simultaneous services at church, and so I brought my old bass to stick in one room and my my other one to stick in the in the main room, and going back and forth between the two, so I don't have to carry all my gear back and forth. And uh, yeah, playing that old one versus the new one that I've got right now, it's it's night and day. Wait, so how's it set up? Do, do y'all actually have a band set up in the f- fellowship hall? As well yeah. as uh-huh. the, the main sanctuary? Yeah, yeah. We got the main sanctuary set up like it normally is. And then in, wow. the, uh, in the fellowship hall, we've got a little stage set up with, uh, with B's uh, travel uh, sound system in there. He's got, you know, he's got a, I can't remember how many channel mixer it is, but he's, he's got everything plugged in there for all the uh, uh, singers and the keyboard. And then everybody else, you know, the guitars, we just brought our amps. We got an acoustic set in there. So, yeah, it's, it's okay. a live band experience, man. Nice. So you don't have the drums, but you got everything else. Uh-huh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I've seen the soundboard in there. It's it's not as big as the one in the sanctuary, but they use that for speakers and stuff when they do Wednesday night stuff. Yeah. That's pretty good. And in the trial run two weeks ago, there was apparently some serious problems with the AV system. I'm glad I wasn't in there. I'm glad I was running the main booth. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we 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 had some serious problems. They they were we were having to change how we did the song because they kept flashing up the wrong words and 
all that jove, you know. So yeah, that was that was a lot of fun trying to figure out. Hey, are we on the course? Or are we going to the bridge now? Or we okay? We okay? We're back on the course now. You know. John, after the service, so, yeah, came back that's, in. That's good times. John came back into the sanctuary after uh, their service was over, just glaze eyed like. Uh, and then he said, "I was like, what's up, dude?" He said, "At one point, pro presenter just wouldn't recognize me at all. It just refused to do anything." And he said it like that and almost cracked. His voice almost cracked. I was like, (laughs) and Ryan's so OCD, I can imagine what kind of pressure that put on him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's got PTSD after that now. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. John or Ryan? Casey. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Casey, what you need is a, uh, a wireless setup, man. So you can play the same bass and just just have two different... Uh, stations set up. Hey, I want to uh, leave the room, man. Just set me up a wireless. I'll just sit in a room somewhere and play. Have all of it coming in my ear. I'm good. Don't even have to be on stage. I don't think I've told y'all this, but when uh, I was playing at a church in Chelsea uh, way back when, uh, we had uh, I had a, a wireless set up for my guitar, and another friend of mine was playing with a church plant about 10, 12 minutes away at Chelsea Elementary School. They'd set up and play in the lunchroom, and he would occasionally ask me to play with them. And we had two services. They had one. So I would play the first service, uh, unplug or or cut my wireless off, run to the car, not even put my guitar in a case, (laughs) drive over there just in time to set up. He had a wired setup. So I'd plug in, play. As soon as we were done, I'd drive back, plug the wireless in, and occasionally I'd come into the sanctuary as they're starting. And so I'm just playing as I'm coming back up to the stage. Wow. And they were more Pentecostal, so they loved it. They loved it. They thought it was great. Oh, yeah. They they, they weren't worried about that. Sizzle, that sounds kind of like you on, uh, what was it, Easter? When you had two or three gigs that one day? <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. Yep, put out a tuba, pick up a bass, put down the bass, pick up a trombone. Yeah, that was that was pretty much it. Mm. Painful. Sounds like a challenge on a game show. you got to play these notes. Gotta put, you gotta put them in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how well that's going to translate to the audio, but it was fun to do. Uh, hey, yeah, it looked good. <laughs> All right. Well, good catching up with you guys. But before we get into today's topics, we may bounce around. We may stick to one. I don't know. Uh, We do have some new likes. So shout out to the new likes here. Kemp England liked our page after we finally had him on the show. Hey, Kemp. Thanks for standing in for us. Yeah. That that might be the new strategy. Have somebody on as, as a guest host, and then they go like the page. I, I think that'll be a good setup. Uh, Bo Reynolds, one of my old Sunday school teachers. Uh, good to see him on here. Fantastic. Tim Frink. Paolo Pedofretza. I love that name. That is fantastic. Yeah, I, that sounds legit. You didn't butcher that at all. That's, no, I'm sure that's exactly no, I'm, I'm sure that's... <laughs> It's a perfecto. Sorry. That's, <laughs> nope. We'll cut that out. Maybe. Probably not. Uh, Gino Lopez and John Duncan. So shout out to oh, Dunk. the new likes this week. One of my one of my uh, wrestlers slash students. I had him as a student and as a wrestler. 
What's up, Doug? Well, now he likes your podcast, yeah, or at man. least the page. Yeah, he probably no indication like he's ever actually heard it. <laughs> Download this one, John. You'll actually get to hear Alex talk from time to time. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, and for those of you who have not, please jump over to facebook.com slash APT podcast. Give us a like on the page. We'll call you out just like we did everybody today. Uh, also, help us out by going over to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and review. We'll read it out on the show if we ever get another rating. Uh, the last one was pretty good. said we were better than Kant. Uh, not going to lie, that felt pretty good. A little undeserved, but still pretty good. We'd love to get some more. So, yeah, that's what we do. I think that's got all the bases covered. And here we are, gentlemen. Uh, it's been, what, about a month and a half since we were all together in just in this kind of setting. It's been months since we've been able to, you know, hug each other's necks, all three of us. Y'all gallivanting off to the beach, didn't tell nobody. <laughs> I'm not bitter, thou shalt not covet. <laughs> the sunshine and the... Oh, uh, man, I would love for you to have been there, too, but uh, there wasn't room for our kids. Hey, it would have been painful had Will gone with us instead of staying home to go to soccer camp, much less having three more people there with us. Oof. Oh, yeah, there oh, would yeah. have been no social distancing whatsoever. Well, then I meant what I said, thou shalt not covet. I do not envy y'all at all <laughs> for that. Hope y'all have fun. <laughs> but... So, so Alex, what has been most on your mind? It's been a while since you've been here. I want to get your feedback, your take. I know you want to get into theonomy, but I want to give you just a time to get some stuff off your chest, man. What's, what's been going on? Tell us how you've been. House hunting sucks. <laughs> Sorry for the hey, colorful man. language. Uh, I, uh, like the first weekend in May... Maybe even the last weekend in April. Maybe in middle middle of the last week of April. My mother-in-law sent my wife this cute little farmhouse on 13 acres of land in Blunt County. And none of us knew how tiny the house was or that it was in Blunt County because it had a Springville address. <laughs> so we booked a showing to go see it. We were like, why not? You know, about a year ago we looked at moving and just decided not to keep pursuing it because of several different reasons. But it was a really cute house, 13 acres of land. Uh, she was talking about going in with us half, halfsies on it uh, so that she'd have a place to stay when she came into town instead of renting a hotel room halfway across town and let us use the equity to uh, put a down payment building a bigger house on the land. Well, there was nowhere else to put a house on the land and the house that was there was like 1,100 square feet. <laughs> it was 13 tiny. acres and you couldn't build anywhere else on it? Yeah, it was, it was like farmland, right? It was multi-tier farmland. The house was built up on the top tier of the land. So building a house behind that away from the road just wouldn't have made sense. Uh, it, yeah. it would have been impossible to resell down the road because this tiny little house in front of it on the prime spot on the land... It just, it just didn't work for us building another house on that land. Um, but that got us in the whole process of looking for a house. And we, if we looked at one house, we looked at two dozen houses in the last month. And we looked at everything from a 1,700-square-foot 3-2 with a basement 
up to a 3,500-square-foot, five, three-and-a-half. We needed four bedrooms, three baths, plus an office, plus a dedicated uh, teaching area, or four, three with a second family room and a teaching area. Like, it had to have a big eat-in dining room, uh, eat-in kitchen nook that could be our dining room so we could use the formal dining room as a teaching area for the homeschooling. Uh, And then I had to have an office space because I work from home. It's a hard task to find. So after a month of searching, we finally expanded our search and ended up buying a 1,700-square-foot house, 3-2, that doesn't have a formal dining room, but... The way it's laid out, we we can use the dining room as dining and teaching because the um, uh, oh gosh the washroom the laundry room is right next to the dining room, and it's it's like eleven by nine. It's a massive room, so we're gonna build built-in cabinets across one wall and make it a second pantry and storage for all the. Uh, teaching books and material and all that kind of stuff. And nice. the basement is unfinished but studded. So the the day we sign on the house, I'm going to go pick up materials at Lowe's or in Home Depot and sheetrock the walls in the fourth bedroom downstairs in the base unfinished basement, uh, put a window unit in there, run some electrical so I've got uh, wall outlets and try to have an office while I build out the third bathroom and the living space downstairs. But, I mean, we we came in $65,000 under our budget by cutting one finished bedroom and one finished bathroom and a formal dining room out of the list. Like, we've still got the space once I finish out the unfinished space downstairs, but we cut 70 grand out of the the price range we were looking at and having the skill to do everything except uh, the electrical. I'm going to have to get somebody from the church. Uh, KC has recommended George uh, to inspect and confirm I did the electrical right before I uh, get it all inspected, you know, by the the code people. Uh, Everything else I can do myself. So it's going to be 14, 15 grand worth of materials a month or two worth of DIY home renovation efforts. And I'm going to have the house we were looking for, for like 50 grand under budget. Yeah. So, uh, it was a nightmare of a process. We thought we were going to have to put about that much money into our house to get it ready to sell. And we ended up selling it to a rental company that's buying it as is for what, for profit margin we needed to sell it for, to be able to sell it. So, man, God has taken care of us. And the best thing about all of it, that entire nightmare process that's still a couple of months away from being over because of the reno work I got to do, the one really positive thing, man, is it was so stressful. Ashley and I ended up on our knees multiple times in this whole process because we just could not handle the stress on our own. And, man, we have never prayed deeply together like that right we, we we've uh, we've both done our own bible studies i mean y'all know ashley she she's not the deep diver theolo- amateur theologian that the three of us are uh, so she sits on the sidelines where we have our deep conversations 
but she does her Bible studies. You know, she joined the women's group doing the Hebrew study this spring until COVID stopped Wednesday night. Uh, CPU. Uh, but we've never done that kind of stuff together. And in the last month, we've prayed together so much. We've talked about God's pressures and pieces on our hearts so much that we've we've never been spiritually closer than we've become in the last month, man. And that's something I don't want to change. I, that, that's got to be our new norm. So of all the stress, uh, you know, God actually obviously had a plan because not only have we had that happen, uh, my mother-in-law has seen how God has worked in our situation because things have just fallen into place so perfectly. It couldn't be anything but providence to have worked out. And uh, she's finally opened up about uh, spiritual beliefs and Christianity and prayer in a way we've never been able to talk to her about before. She's always been kind of distant about it. Nice. So uh, that whole side of the family has been on my prayer list uh, for evangelism for years. So in multiple ways, God has used this stressful time to grow our relationship together, to grow our influence on my mother-in-law. So it's, it's, I have no complaint, right? I hate home buying, (laughs) but I really have no complaint (laughs) about the whole process. I can't complain even though I want to. That's a new normal I think we can all get on board with, right? Amen. Yeah. That's a new normal I want to keep. Yes, sir. Not the home buying. That I don't want to ever have to do again. (laughs) We're done with this one. We're never moving out. I I might buy one bedroom, one bathroom shack at the beach and fix it up someday 20 years down the road so I can become a scuba instructor and walk to my scuba classes. Because if you can't scuba, what's this all been about? Right? (laughs) God, I haven't haven't been... my, uh, My computer counts day counts hours or days uh of surface interval since the last mm-hmm. time you dove and it peaks out at 45 days <laughs> and it's now been 48 or 49 days i was at 42 days when we left to go to the beach with kc and i was looking for a dive opportunity but the seas were high because that tropical storm was coming in from mexico so nobody was going out so I'm now over 45, so it says 45-plus days surface interval, and it's miserable looking at that. I'm like, no, i got to get back <laughs> underwater. <sighs> Struggle's real. I think, I think it's bad form now to talk about the country of origin for natural phenomenon. So like, we can't say the Chinese <laughs> virus. We can't say the tropical storm came from Mexico uh, either. Well, it's just, it was, I say it came from Mexico because it's usually coming from Africa. <laughs> It's so weird for it to hey come now. from Mexico. Hey, now. <laughs> Look, we're not talking about slave trade, all right? We're not talking about George Floyd's scenario. I'm not, I'm not making innuendos. They legit come from Africa because <laughs> of the weather patterns over there during our s- summertime and fall. So if it does come from Mexico, how tall does the wall need to be to keep it out? <sighs> Oof. I don't even think sci-fi books have walls that big unless they're domes. That could work. That could work. Could we build a border dome? Yeah. Those those Space those forces first project. Let's do it, boys. <laughs> yeah, uh, those books are usually major <laughs> dystopian books. Let's not go there. No. Well, let's not go there. 
It's it's like communism. They just haven't done it right. Uh-huh. Let's not go there. <laughs> Battlefield Earth. Great book. Horrible sci-fi movie. Yeah. That I don't think Forrest Whitaker counts that on his CV. No. I don't blame him. <laughs> Weren't you that guy from... No. No. No, not mm-hmm. me. Different lazy eye, dude. Wow. <laughs> All right, so we've covered China, Mexico, Africa, and Lazy Eye. <laughs> All right. We're and here we are just flipping. <laughs> hey, at least he already said hey to the happy people. So we know they're safe. And you covered the sad people. Wes has got the offended people. Wes has got to take care of them the rest of the show. And I got to make sure we call them out. You know, I, I got love for you. They can't see that. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my word. All right. Well, now that the house hunting is done, uh, it it occurs to me that the most recent conversation we've had was around theonomy, which Mm -hmm. is just a delightful topic, isn't it? Yeah. And it's funny because that's what we talked about on our first show. Not like we're going to talk about it tonight, but we talked about it on our first show. Yeah, okay. I'd, I'd have to go back. You know, I don't know. I, I know I listened to it. It's just, God, the first show was back in December, man. It's been six months. I know, man. Is Congrats, that crazy? Man. We made yeah, it I was asking months. KC before you finally decided to grace us with your presence, which show episode this was. It's 19, I think. 19 or 20. 20. 20. Let me see. Because the last one I recorded yep. was 15. Y'all have done three, unless you did one on top of that that I missed. I did the uh, Ravi Zacharias one. And then the one with Kemp. Oh, no, we've already done 20 episodes. Oh. Wow, this is number 21. Okay, then. I'll have to resave this with a different name because it's labeled 19 right now. Look, if you're not even going to be on... The show, the least you can do is download and keep up with where we are, dude. Come on. I would normally be doing that, but it's been kind of busy. Yeah, a little bit. Did, were you able to get all seven computer fans over to the new house? <laughs> <laughs> Inquiring minds need to know. Haterade. It's not seven. It's 11. Ele- oh, sorry. It's a seven, 11. <laughs> No, wait, wait. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight. Eight fans. All right, listen, you can't count podcast episodes. I'm not going to trust you with fans. (laughs) You can call that a straw man or a red herring, whatever you want, but that's. I'm not a fan of your counting. It's just the moving the (laughs) goalpost. No, it's not. That's not even a fallacy. That's just dismissing me. I love it. (laughs) All right. So, do we want to talk theonomy, or we want to get into something else? I'm game. All right. Well, hey, dealer's choice, and uh, you're the new guy, so you get to go with it. So, theonomy, um, between the three of us, I think it's uh, fair to say I'm the most theonomist of the three. Um, not that Casey hates God's law, but I think Alex has some unresolved issues <laughs> that we need to go over. <laughs> No, no, I wouldn't put that on you in, in, in all seriousness. Um, that though, that is a uh, 
uh, an accusation that I have seen through some of the more, shall we say, extreme theonomic views. Uh, I wouldn't do that. Um, Only but, on Facebook, but not officially on here, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. That, man, I'll, I'll be extra provocative on Facebook <laughs> just, just to get somebody to respond. And then I'll walk it back a little bit and still walk it back with sandpaper. I think that's, that's the way to do it. Because like Kemp said, Facebook and Twitter are really the place to have those kinds of conversations. <laughs> Aren't they, though? You know, oh, yeah, nobody yeah. can misunderstand you on Facebook or Twitter. Right. And nope. uh, when I talked to Kate Buss, it, her last name is pronounced Buss, right? Not Boos. I, I don't know, but uh, I'll I'm ask her. Sure I'll ask her uh, later. If you mispronounce uh, it. I'm, she's yep. gotten to be one of my good buddies. Uh, I totally forgot where I was going with that. What were we talking about? Theonomy. She, she's not a fan of God's law either, is she? Where were we going with that? Just kidding. Love you, Kate. I don't even remember where I was going with that. I was talking about her, something about something, and we had a conversation, something, something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ha- just completely lost my train of thought there. <sighs> Good to have you back, buddy. Good to have you back. <laughs> Oh man, this is this is this is good form compared to what I've been feeling like the last <laughs> couple of weeks. It's been exhausting long days. Yeah, this this is the type of show that I'll be honest, I really didn't think we were going to get all three of us together. So I think this might be the least uh prepared we all three are for what we're talking about tonight. <laughs> so, um uh, I I will say and Jess and I had a really good conversation about theonomy kind of in principle the other day and was able to use that conversation to, I don't know, more systematize kind of my approach to it. But I start from first, make sure everybody's on the same page, uh, our listeners at least. Theonomy refers to, or it comes from the two Greek words, theos meaning God, nomos meaning law, a reference to God's law and the, the project of theonomy, generally speaking, broadly speaking, is how does the Old Testament uh, law, uh, specifically the Pentateuch, apply in today's society or to New Testament Christians, different uh, avenues, explore different aspects of that. W- would y'all say that's a fair characterization? Ish, yeah. Yeah. From, from everything okay. that I understand about it. F- fill it in. What, what, what are some other things that you think of when you think theonomy besides Roman Catholicism and uh, Sharia law? Well, those, those come to mind based on how, <laughs> how it's described by its uh, strongest reform. It seems to be most popular in the reformed crowd is what I've noticed. Uh, yep. It's, it's very legalistic. Uh, it can be, yep. And it's very disturbing how much its most vocal proponents seem to tend towards Old Testament law over God's display or Jesus' display of love, right? Love for the sinner, uh, turning the cheek for those who offend. Uh, A lot of what Jesus and this is where I keep trying to get you to nail down where what New Testament support there is for what is understood most commonly as theonomy uh, in New Testament writing. Uh, Jesus did not abolish the law, right? But 
right. his practices and his teachings seem, unless you can clearly point out to me otherwise, to have contradicted, if not contradicted, at least changed the direction of the earthly punishment for that law, right? Sin is still sin. Is still sin. The moral law uh, of the Mosaic law is still sin, right? But mm-hmm. turning the other cheek, loving thy neighbor, loving thy enemy, I, I, I don't really see punishing someone with death as for... Uh, Satan worship, for example, this was part of our Facebook conversation yeah. a couple of, uh, a week or two ago, uh, yeah. as giving them the opportunity to turn to Christ. It's 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 becoming the judge. Uh, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's becoming the judge mm-hmm. and determining that something that didn't clearly and objectively have a victim. The argument there seemed to be that there was a, a spiritual victim, them convincing someone to turn away from Christ. And the argument's valid if you can judge the hearts of people, but you can't judge the hearts of people, right? So they, they are assuming the ability to judge that a person practicing Satanism in public is killing the spirit of another person by convincing them to turn from God and reject God. So, in a sense, it has some realistic reasoning if you could if you could see the hearts of people, right? But it's not like okay. physically killing a person. There is objective, verifiable evidence that a person physically killed another person's body and ended their life and sent their soul into the afterlife, whether that's to hell or to heaven. But you don't have the same objective, verifiable, humanly proof that a Satanist killed someone's spirit. And that, that is the only evidence that was given in that case that could even, in my eyes, even if you could prove it, reasonably be used to kill someone for that, execute them, spiritually sure. killing another person. So, and that's just okay. one specific example. And that, that, that type of attitude, that legalistic attitude, seems to be so common in theonomy that I, I'm not even interested in accepting what I would agree with theonomy because of the extremism that I compare to the Sharia law type Islam. Okay, that's fair. Casey, what, what you got to add to it? I, I, I you know, I'm... I'm I tended to agree with Alex just probably because of my background. I really haven't thought about this kind of thing before uh, too much. Um, you know, I don't I don't run in the the kind of circles you guys do as far as the you know the the different groups that y'all talk to and and all that stuff. So uh, you know, when I first think about theonomy and everything, I'm thinking you know, uh, Christianity is uh, the way that I see it set up and designed is is functions under any kind of uh, political system, any kind of governmental system. Um, it's not, it, it's separate from that. It's completely different from what was done with the, uh, with the Jewish community, you know, with the Israelite community. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was set up as a nation. Um, and everybody in that nation right. was supposed to function with those beliefs, with those understandings. And, uh, you know, Christianity is just not set up that way. 
Um, it's, it's meant to go into all the world um, and be more concerned with uh, the status of someone's soul rather than necessarily their actions, um, you know, based on their nature. All right. And what I heard, I, I think I picked out three specific uh, or, or maybe not specific, three general uh, objections to theonomy. I want to make sure I've got these right because uh, I hope in, in some way in, in my limited knowledge uh, and experience, I hope to be able to at least provide some kind of response. One is that it tends to be legalistic. Uh, the second is that it seems to, uh, the, the, at least the harsher punishments uh, like the death penalty seem to go against the New Testament injunctions to love neighbor, turn the other cheek, that sort of thing. And uh, the third would be that uh, to institute theonomy is to uh, judge the heart, which we can't do. And we all recognize we can't do that. Is that a good uh, representation of the objections? Yeah, I think uh, that any specific position in theonomy circles that I disagree with could be summed up in one of those three details or expanded upon with what KC said. And KC worded it differently than I did, but I would say that that would be incorporated within my positions as well. That the the physical nation of uh, Israel, you know, the Jews before Israel was formed uh, with the 12 tribes, and then the Jews as Israel uh, after their exit from Egypt, they, they had a set of instructions for the nation of Israel to be set physically apart as the conduit for Christ, right? That they were to be right. set apart and holy physically uh, as the nation of Israel. They had uh, a, a three-part law, uh, some of which even the theonomists reject is not necessary because it was specific to the nation of Israel. Uh, the um, I'm losing the word that represents it, uh, the ceremonial law, and then they had the moral law, and I'm, I'm going blank on what the third pillar was. Uh, civil but law. Anyway, civil. Yeah, civil law. Thank you. So the, the civil and the moral still stand, and the civil, even though it's not technically a sin to break a civil law, they still want to hold that exact standard. Those two... The civil more than the moral law, I could see upholding, right, as as a standard for uh, society because it, it was reasonable, it was objective, but the moral law was for the people of God to keep them holy, okay? Uh, the ceremonial law was also okay. to keep them clean so right. that they were holy. It, it, was, it was part of the whole faith uh, dynamic, but... So the physical nation of Israel kept apart as the people of God. Now in the new covenant, the people of God are the faithful believers. So how can we apply okay. a physical legal system to the whole world under the auspices of attempting to bring people into, you know, willful agreement and I kind of understand their viewpoint on it. I don't agree with it, but I kind of understand their viewpoint on it. 
with the presupposition that God causes people to believe the whole Calvinist reformed basis for new. Yeah. Those yeah, crazy not, Calvinists. Right? We're not getting back into tulip in general. All right. I'm just, I'm just saying, I understand yeah, yeah, from yeah. their perspective why they would see it as more biblical than I can possibly see it. But even with that, they're not using new Testament support for it. They're going back to the law and uh, the magistrates, as you did on that Facebook conversation, I want to see the New right, Testament right. support for Christians running government, because using the law and the magistrate okay. system in, in its objective application of law, great. Let's go to an objective application of law that has standards that aren't, you know, if this then that variable. Uh, Sure, but saying that it's based on a Christian worldview just does... I don't see it, right? Okay, that, that's fair. And you brought up a, a, a couple of other points that hopefully we can... Uh, actually, may actually tie into some other things. You, you made the um, comparison to... Or, or the uh, question was about Christians running government, which I think is uh, certainly within the context of some other things you've raised but distinct in, in a way. Uh, and you also uh, talked about applying the, the standard to the whole world, which I, th I think is also, and kind of related. So, okay, I, I think I've got a pretty good uh, idea. And I, I'll, I'll give you kind of my general approach, and then maybe we can narrow down in. And if I lose you somewhere... If you want to poke me with a pointy end, feel free. Uh, I'm not opposed to that. That's what we do here. <laughs> um, but when I approach the question of theonomy, the first question that I ask is, who is in a better position to make just laws, man or God? I think the answer to that is self-explanatory, yeah. Right. And so immediately from the outset, I'm already kind of leaning over to theonomy because if I've got to choose between what man says is right and what God says is right, I want to go with God. Yeah. Right. It doesn't, doesn't solve all the other issues, but that's, that's where I start first. And then when it comes to individual laws, individual statutes set up in society, uh, I, I look at that and I go, according to what standard is that just? Yep. And if that is consistent with what I see as God's revealed standard in Scripture, then I can acknowledge that law is just. If it conflicts, then I can point to a law and say that law is unjust. Yep. And so even then, and I think we're both in agreement there to say the Bible is an accurate measuring stick for uh, modern laws, not vice versa. Absolutely. So as we, we agreed yeah, in episode fantastic. one. Yes. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. All right. And there are actually three different aspects that I talked with Jess about, and only two are coming to mind, but they were in the context of, of what's been going on here lately with uh, some of the issues with police. Uh, and um, the two that I'll remember, I'll throw out. And I'll say that from, from my perspective, um, God's law, uh, at least in the Pentateuch, looks at actuality rather than potentiality, right? So there's not, uh, to look at uh, one of the objections, judging the heart, um, doesn't look at what your intention may have been in the future, 
but it just looks at what the damage was. So if there's damaged cause, there is restitution paid, and it's paid to the to the victim, right? If if you steal a man's ox, you've got to pay that back plus I think it's twenty percent plus a fifth, right? So if somebody were to break into my house and steal five thousand dollars worth of our fine recording equipment that I haven't figured out how to use yet, then I would be uh, entitled to that five thousand dollars back plus a thousand to twenty percent directly paid back. Um, but, and this is where I drew the connection with uh, police, and I think, Alex, you and I may have uh, more agreement on this than disagreement. When it comes to the average traffic stops, things like speeding tickets, running, uh, rolling through a stop sign, running a red light, things like that, um, just from an optic standpoint, for one, they don't create any uh, positive uh, experience for the drivers, for the citizens. And in my experience and in people that I know, that's a, a source of um, fear uh, oftentimes with people getting pulled over by the cops. What, am I, what did I do? What did I get pulled over? And uh, there's nothing in God's law that I see that would substantiate that being a just act. Whereas, say if I'm 10 miles over the speed limit and as a result I can't stop in time and I rear in somebody, well then... There's actual damage done. I'm the one at fault because I was violating that law. And in that instance, it's right to punish me for that. But if I'm five minutes late for work and I'm doing five miles an hour over the speed limit, writing a ticket on the face of it doesn't seem just. So there's an actuality versus potentiality uh, element to that. Um, and the second was uh, action versus motivation. And this uh, also gets to your objection about judging the heart. I don't see anything in God's law, I mean, the whole of the Pentateuch that I've seen, that uh, looks at what your potential heart condition was, what your intention was when you did what you did. Um, for example, in uh, Exodus 21 or 22, I forget which, there is a prescription for... Uh, if somebody breaks into your home and it, it, it's in the middle of the night and you strike the thief and kill him, there's no blood guilt for you. But if the sun is risen, you strike him and kill him, there is blood guilt. Because the idea there, whatever the stuff is, isn't worth the human life. The human life is infinitely more valuable. But if that's at night and you realized it was some in a modern context, you realize it's somebody that you don't like and you're intentionally going to do something to kill them because you know you're protected by darkness, the law itself doesn't account for that. So, so the hate crimes, for example, would be abolished in a theonomic system, in my view, because when you commit a crime against somebody, it doesn't matter what their uh, sexual uh, orientation is, what their uh, skin tone is, what their nationality is. The fact that you committed the crime is bad enough in and of itself. Murder is not worse because of these other factors. It's not better or worse. So something like hate crimes would go away precisely because the law itself doesn't try to judge the heart. It just looks at what the actual action was. What was done? What was the crime committed? And there's restitution according or the punishment according. Um... Like I said, I forgot what the third one was. 
So if it comes to me, I'll throw that out there. But that's kind of where I start. And so this kind of decision-making matrix is, is what I use to kind of go through and say, probably instead of wiping the slate clean and trying to institute theonomy, as we go through reforms, look at various laws and statutes, hold them up to the measuring stick that is the word of God, and say, is this just? So is this law, is this punishment looking at actuality or is it looking at potentiality? Is it looking at what the action was or is it trying to look at the heart of man and look at the motivation and make those changes accordingly? Yeah. So I have no argument with any of those positions or any of those measures for looking at the law or application of the law. My departure is that that is not what the writers and vocal proponents of theonomy, modern Christian-based theonomy, call theonomy or want to implement as theonomy. If that was theonomy, I'd say let's go for it, right? Because we've, right. we've so, talked so on close. this podcast before about my desire for those same end goals, right? Common mm-hmm. application of the law, uh, r- removal of subjective standards for application of law, removal of law that has no victim, uh, right. actually repaying victims of the law, uh, uh, victims of crime through the law, right? So everything you just described as a standard for measuring the morality or the justness of law, I'm good with. Where, okay. where I have a problem is calling that theonomy because that's possible without going to what is described in current circles as theonomy, right? That post you shared. Okay. Uh, I yeah. don't know if the guy, I can't remember even who his name was, but I, don't, I haven't listened to enough of his work to know if he would agree with the threads on his post, but the people responding to his post, post supporting theonomy were talking about forcing people to not not practice any religion other than Christianity, uh, forcing people to either honor the Sabbath day or not dishonor it, not necessarily show yeah. honor for it and worship on the Sabbath day, but not dishonor it. Uh, very, very legalistic and forceful authoritarian viewpoints that just can't be supported by the ministry of Christ. It has to be supported by applying Jewish Mosaic law to theonomy, right? So that that's yeah. a, and that that's not necessarily that that same guy was saying there are as many different opinions about what a theonomy means as there are people who support theonomy, but that mindset that he described is so common in theonomy circles that I, I just can't su- support a system that is so draconian and so far removed from what I see as Christ's ministry. So no, that's, what that's, you're saying, I'm good with. But what theonomy is from the people writing as the authoritative figures on theonomy and their social media supporters, I can't support. Okay, I want to address that, and and Casey, I want you to weigh in, but I remembered what the third one was. So I I want to get that out, too, so that can be part of the conversation. Um, 
and that was restitution versus punishment. So if somebody breaks into my house right now in the current setup, steals $5,000, according to biblical law, say I would be entitled to repayment of $6,000. Yes. As the law stands right now, that person, if convicted, goes to prison for a certain amount of time and their entire living expenses are uh, sustained by taxpayer dollars, including me, the victim, in that situation. And you don't get restitution. And I get no restitution through the justice system. Uh, but what, what happens, rather than restitution for the victim and justice for the crime, is punishment inflicted on the perpetrator. And that's, a, that's another area where um, the advocates for criminal justice reform and I overlap. I would love to see a lot of the current inmates released, but, but instead of having to pay their debt to society, pay their debt to who they wronged. Yes. You, did, you didn't wrong me, and I didn't wrong you. And, and yet if somebody's in, in a Jefferson County prison, for example, every citizen in Jefferson County is contributing to their upkeep. Anybody in a, an Alabama state a penitentiary, a penitentiary is being paid by, by every citizen in Alabama, including whoever was victimized in the crime or in the case of something like murder, the parents of the victim or the family of the victims. And our prisons are overrun. So we yes. pay for a lot of them people's. Yeah. So, so those are, those are my three kind of basic decision matrices uh, working through it. Casey, what, what's your thoughts on those? Okay, so yeah, I'm you know I, I think uh, you know I'm kind of with Alex on this one. I think what you said, I don't have any problems with. I do have a question about the uh, the whole traffic thing, and I want to get your opinion on it. You know, you talked about the the traffic stops and your speeding and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, so since a lot of those laws there are designed to keep safe flow of traffic, uh, they're mm-hmm. more of a preventative thing. Um, so in, in your understanding there of what you said was uh, that it's not, that you're getting, if, if, you, if you're speeding and you don't have a wreck, should you get pulled over for speeding? Um, whereas in my viewpoint, that the whole point of having speed limits is to show people how to drive safely and keep that safe traffic flow. Um, and maybe possibly it's coming, coming from a teacher's viewpoint. Yeah, uh, you know, I do a lot of things in the classroom to prevent kids from doing stupid stuff, and, it, and obviously you can't stop that all the time. But there are things right. that I can do to help them not get into that situation where now we've got to deal with this. So sure. I have no problem with uh, getting pulled over for running a red light, even if nothing happens, or running a stop sign, even if nothing happens, or getting pulled over uh, for going over the speed limit, even if you know no accident occurred because that's a preventative measure and what's your thoughts on that yeah i I would say that goes back to the actuality versus potentiality thing and when we look at scripture and i'm open to be corrected if there is anything in scripture that uh, deems a penalty based on a potential rather than an actual I'm, I'm willing to, to rework the, uh, the, the matrix here. But in, in that situation, what, what I would say, so if, if a police officer sees somebody doing 30 miles an hour over the speed limit, yes, clearly that is uh, a, a potential public safety hazard, right? 
So if you can pull that person over, pull them over, tell them to slow down, educate them on why, what have you, send them on their way. I don't see any biblical warrant that would justify having that person then pay for damages that were not rendered. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I I can see that. Yeah, and I'm a Wes Wes on that one. There's no victim, right? If you speed... It is a victimless crime. (laughs) Yeah, if you you speed, it's an arbitrary victim of society in the potential scenario of you hurting somebody. If you hurt... Yeah, I understand the concept of preventative maintenance, right? Uh, Right. But punishing people for the crime of potentially hurting someone. I mean, you're already talking minority report, uh, pre-crime punishment, right? You know, uh, preveniently seeing that someone is going to murder someone, so you punish them before they do it. I, I, I just can't support that. Okay, well, let me let me throw this scenario at you. Come on. Uh, somebody gets in their car, driving down the uh, a residential neighborhood, starts randomly firing a gun at the at the houses. Doesn't hit anybody. Nobody gets hurt. Should that person be punished? Um, did it hit any house? Did it cause property damage? Nah, he was firing into the air. Ran random in, in, and the uh, bullets came down in somebody's yard. Didn't hurt anybody. Um, same principle applies. Pull it's over. a it's a wild I mean, idea yeah, in this, today's yeah. society where we're we're so dependent on state enforced security. But so be it. If he's not injuring anybody, what what's the harm? It's stupid. Yeah. I, I might stop him. <laughs> it, but it goes to a distinction, I think, between what is sinful and what is lawful. And something like that, I think, I don't want to say something is sinful without actual biblical justification, but it seems to me that the description of it is probably more sinful rather than unlawful. And that is something where a strong community would be able to identify who that is. And maybe they don't do anything about it that night, but the next morning, some neighbors go knock on their door and say, hey, you know what you did. Don't do it again. And there be, I mean, not saying threaten, not saying commit assault or anything like that, but there is a sense, like Alex said, we get so dependent on the police that we don't take responsibility for our own communities. We've, we've outsourced that responsibility in a lot of ways. But if some knucklehead wants to go driving down the street firing a gun in the air, I'm going to stay in my house. As long as there's no property damage, I have no, there's no restitution he can pay to me. Now, if it comes through my window, uh, knocks my window out and grazes my shoulder, best believe he's on the hook for the window, for my medical bills, and for the hole in the wall. If it made it that far, it may still be lodged in my shoulder. Who knows? But um, if there's damage actually caused, then there's, restitution to be made and and, and that that's a separate question I, I haven't gotten into how that would work 
as far as that. I mean, anything with a with a finite dollar amount on it is certainly involved in that. But when it comes to like lost wages and, and how the, all that might work, if there's a rehab or something like that, I don't know. Um, so I, I, I recognize there's there's holes in my approach, or at least there's unfinished areas in it. But that's that's my starting point. Yeah, um, and I'll okay. I'll also agree that there are absolutely subjective applications and holes in not allowing government to dictate you can't shoot a firearm in the air randomly in a uh, residential neighborhood. But, I mean, China created firearms in the 1200s, the 1300s, something like that. Uh, no, for, they were created by Americans. Yeah, right. Uh, no, we just <laughs> perfected them and uh, uh, <laughs> perfected the use of them. Yeah, and uh, dominate the use of them in the 21st century. Uh, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I got a great statistic for America and guns. Anyway, I digress. Uh, For half a millennium or more, there weren't laws about people not firing firearms around other people. So why in the 1900s did it suddenly become dangerous for people to fire firearms around people? just without injuring someone, you know, a criminal offense to do so. And yes, it's a misdemeanor. In most cases, it's not a felony, but still criminal. I, I just can't support the idea that something that can potentially cause harm is a crime because it can potentially cause harm. Getting in your car and driving can potentially kill someone out of no intentional fault of your own. Kills hundreds yep. of thousands of people a year through no intentional harm you know, no intentional acts of people. More than COVID-19. Yeah, for real, right? Uh, squirrel. So doing something that's dangerous, firearms is one of those special areas where society has become pansy-footed about it. Uh, yep. I just, I, I, I want to I quote... Uh, Jefferson the way other people do, but it's so out of context, I refuse to do it. You know. Uh, <laughs> well, the, uh, let, let me jump in and say to Casey's uh, example, say you've got a knucklehead driving through shooting, uh, shooting a firearm in the air, and he drives by somebody's house, and the gunshot startles them as they're walking upward downstairs in their house, and they fall and suffer a medical injury. What's the cause of that fall? the behavior of shooting the gun. Now, it may be difficult to prove in court or what have you, but if there's damage, it doesn't necessarily have to be from the bullet. It can be uh, ancillary like that. So just just spitballing here, just throwing something else out there for, for consideration. Not that it's, you know, perfect. What you think? Well, I, w- I would say, you know, not... not speaking to that example uh but I, I let me ask you this this question would you consider even laws uh even mosaic laws to be somewhat preventative in nature um don't murder yes that 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 would pro- prohibit murder anything that that comes with the death penalty under the mosaic law presumably would have some kind of deterrent for that uh, anything with a financial loss uh, knowing that there's going to be restitution play, paid plus 
there's an incentive not to do that thing. And, and that's just from a societal level. And that's something I'll, I'll get to here in a minute with the spheres of sovereignty. But just from a societal standpoint, like, like Alex said, you can't stop everybody from, and you said this, you can't stop everybody from doing everything stupid. Right? You can put, I mean, any law up there is going to have a certain preventive effects, but we're not talking about laws with preventative intentions. I mean, every law is going to have that. What we're talking about is laws uh, against actions based on potential effects. Does that make sense? Yeah. So to, I'll answer the question, Casey. Uh, yes, the way Wes described it, they are preventative laws. But trying to prevent you from doing things that will harm another person or their property. So Or yourself. If you do this to someone else or someone else's property, then you are punished equally, plus 20%. Or you kill someone's family, you, you have the blood guilt if it was accidental, or you were put to death if it was murder. Uh, so we have to look at the fact that speeding, just the act of speeding has no victim, right? There, there's no victimization being prevented by punishing someone with a fine for speeding or for running a uh, stop sign or a light. Yes, because traffic signals are there to keep traffic accidents from happening as often as they theoretically could, it is theoretically designed to prevent accidents from happening, but being punished for speeding is not being punished for the act of damaging a person or their property. It's the punishing them for the potentiality of, well, your actions make it more likely that you could have done X, Y, Z. There's no victim to be punishing you for damaging and no victim to be compensated. The victim is the There's state. There's no restitution to be made. Yeah. The victim is the state. How dare you not obey our law? Pretty much. So I've got y'all that much closer to theonomy. All right, we're making progress. Well, like what, what you define as theonomy, I'm good with. That's, that, that's true. And now, I'm, I, granted, what, uh, what, what you said, uh, somebody said on the thread, having as many uh, different versions of theonomy as there are individuals, there's probably some truth to that. And I in no way intend to speak for the entire uh, community of people who are in favor of theonomy. Like I said, I start from those ba from that basic premise: God's law or man's law. Which one is inherently more just? And when we go to change them, according to what standard are we going to do so? And in both uh, answers, I pick God's law. So I am in some sense a theonomist by necessity. The question is, how far does that application go? And and what can we do to implement it? In for, for, for our purposes, to what degree does the community agree on it? And, and that gets into the sphere of sovereignty. One other thing before we get there, though, the objection to it being legalistic. I think this is a term that um, tends to be misused. I don't know if, if you're necessarily intending to do it, but typically when we look at the Pharisees as being legalistic, it refers to having to do the right things ultimately for 
the, the salvation, right? We, we look at uh, any other religion as legalistic to a sense because not only do you have to have whatever faith they talk about, but you also have to have works, and, and those two together equal salvation. Whereas the Christian message is you have the faith, and that leads to salvation and good works. So we, we recognize good works are the, are the fruit, not the root, right? Yeah, so I would, I would wholly agree with what you just said, and I would agree that your, your understanding of and interpretation of theonomy, how, how you fit it into your worldview, that works. My problem is that that's not what proponents of theonomy push online. They push okay. a truly, as you understand the bad connotations of the word, a truly legalistic system where you're doing things because you're told to do them, not doing them because it is the fruits of the Spirit working in you to want to do them. You, you right, are made right. to do them or made to not do worldly things that you want to by the legalistic system. It is, it is, in my eyes, the mainstream view of theonomy, at least the mainstream descriptions of what would be allowed and what would not be allowed under theonomy, at least, given that caveat, is okay. far too much like the Pharisees and Sadducees that Jesus criticized for following the law but not being uh, sons of Moses uh, because they follow the law for the wrong reasons. They're forcing people to follow the law who don't uh, subject themselves and accept the sovereignty and lordship of God and Christ over their lives. That's legalistic, and I reject that as a governmental system. So we can agree that the, the critique of legalism doesn't apply to what I'm espousing right now. Is the Correct. Okay. Yeah, I agree Casey, I, I know you, I, I know you got to go. So, uh, and we're coming up on an hour anyway. So any final thoughts before you head out and Alex and I'll continue. No, I, you know, uh, just thinking about what you guys said, I, I agree with about 95% of what you guys said. Um, uh, you know, thinking about the victimless crime, I, I'm still not sold on that. Um, I think there's a lot of things that still have to be done in a preventative measure to keep people from doing as much stupid stuff as, as would be possible if they weren't there. But, you know, uh, that, that's something I'm going to have to think on a little bit more. Uh, but, yeah. We'll, we'll listen to the rest when we get into sphere sovereignty and, and see if that helps with the other 5%. <laughs> uh, we'll catch you next time, brother. Have a good night. Bye, Sizzle. See y'all.